What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Draft Film Room and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob. You can find me on Twitter at Rochism13, R-O-A-C-H-I-Z-M-1-3. If you want to interact, if you want to interact directly with the show, you can send us an email over at uh, draftfilmroomnfl at gmail.com. If you want to comment on the show, thank you guys for joining me uh, for another episode. We're going to talk about my wide receiver rankings. Uh, I write for uh, with the first pick. Uh, fan site it's draft podcast uh, draft website so you can see my written work uh, about the draft over there as well if you want to check that out and i released an article earlier this week talking about um, my top five wide receiver prospects prior to you know the senior bowl and the testing and all of the things that are going to come next but um just want to go over them with you real quick and it's really funny i said this in my article that uh, it seems like every year we say wow this is the best wide receiver class in recent memory. I was like, oh, this is a deep, deep wide receiver class. I don't think either of those things are going to be stopped being said anytime soon. Uh, this is an incredibly deep wide receiver class. I have five guys that I'm going to go over today. I think all five of them are going to be in the first round, and I think you could see six or seven first round guys. You could also see a couple of guys slide out of the first round just because of how deep this class is, there may be some teams in the mid to late 20s that end up saying, I'm not going to take a wide receiver here. Uh, you know, I'll take an offensive tackle or I'll take an edge rusher and I'll just see who comes back to me at the end of round two. Like I could see some of that stuff. So it's going to be a really interesting process when it comes to these wide receivers. There's a lot of them that are just really, really freaking good. Uh, and we start with the unanimous number one, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. Um I don't know that I have seen a player at the position like Harrison. And I mean, I've been really watching and following football for about 10 years. I've really only been doing the draft stuff for a couple of years now, but there's not a guy that comes anywhere near his physical gifts. And that's where it starts for me. When I'm looking at wide receivers, a couple of the things that I value really highly on my list is their ability to create separation just because the more separation you can create, the easier it is for whoever the quarterback is. It does not matter. The quarterback, if you've got a guy that's wide open, the quarterback can underthrow the route a little bit or think, you know, not throw a perfect pass and end up being okay just because of the separation that you create. Um, I just I don't think we've seen a combination of size and athleticism quite like we have with Marvin Harrison. Um, he's he can do it all. I don't know, like, as I sit here talking about it, and I'm not going to spend too much time on Harrison because everybody loves Harrison. Everybody, it's almost unanimous. There's some people that like, will try to put a couple of people above them and we'll get to some of those guys here and there. Some people that kind of, I think want to want to get some clicks and some things of that nature, which, Hey, I'm in the business of getting clicks too. So I'm not knocking anybody for it, but looking at it, I think the most important trait that he possesses is his body control. His body control and his ability to contort his body into making sure that he comes down in bounds. Like, 
I keep thinking back, not this year, but to a, a, a reception he had last year for Ohio State in which his legs are on the left side of him, which is out of bounds, and then his one leg just like bends back and steps down. It wouldn't be good in, in the NFL because you need two, two feet, but to be in midair, being knocked down, and get your foot to go, your leg to go the opposite way of the momentum in your lower half so that you can get down in bounds is just insane. Like, I just don't think that you see somebody like this come along very much. I am more than willing to assign uh, Marvin Harrison the um, generational talent moniker. Um, and I don't think there's enough good things you could say about him. Okay, so we are going to go on to number two. I was really debating how to do these if I wanted to do them in order, like one, two, three, four, five. And, and if you guys like one, two, three, four, five, let me know. If you would rather it be five, four, three, two, one, let me know. I just kind of like to go from the top. Number two for me, it's Malik Neighbors from LSU. I think Malik Neighbors is the best pure separator in this draft class. Don't get me wrong, Marvin Harrison, great combination of speed and athleticism can create a large amount of separation, but I think Malik Neighbors is your best separator. And it's just, like I said before, it makes it easier targets for your quarterback. So going in here, uh, I did a mock on Twitter where I took Caleb Williams, number one, and Malik Neighbors, number five, both by the Bears, and thought, you know, there you go. Whoever your rookie quarterback is, he needs somebody that can be an easy target. Malik Neighbors, I think he draws a lot of comparisons uh, to DJ Moore, and people – you know, are like, well, now you got two of them. It's like two guys that can create elite amounts of separation. Yeah, I've got no problem. He just, he really gets in and out of his routes so smoothly. It's just like, it's like getting in and out. It's it's very refined. I think he's a very refined athlete. His change of direction is really good. Um, and he just, he understands how to attack a defensive back rather than man coverage or zone coverage and get open and don't get me wrong he has got great speed it it, it just it's similar to marvin harrison he's got a great combination of size and speed um he just he attacks it at every single level and his, his football iq to understand where the weaknesses in zone coverage or even in man coverage where where and how to exploit defenses, it's at a high level. And, and so I think Malik Neighbors could be a top five pick, could be a top 10 pick. He's a top 10 talent uh, by my evaluation in this class. So I have no problem with him going very high, very early. Some people want to put him above Marvin Harrison. I don't think he's quite there with the agility and the acceleration, but uh, I do think Malik Neighbors is really, really good. He's worthy of a top five pick. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what this wide receiver class is going to be. You're like, oh, could this guy go in the top 10? Yeah, I could. Could this guy go in the top 10? Perhaps. I don't know. Where are we at? <laughs> so we'll move on to number three. I think one and two are pretty set around the draft community uh, where we are right now. And you'll have some risers and some fallers through the testing and some things of that nature, especially if there's off-field stuff that we don't know about that comes out later in the draft process. But I think most people have neighbors – in Harrison. I think some people might have uh, my number three guy above neighbors. I don't really think, I think 
you know, Harrison's is his own tier. I think Neighbors is in his, in a, his own tier. And then we get to the third tier. And I got Roma Adunze from Washington. I can see the appeal of why some people want to put Adunze up there with Neighbors in that same tier or even a, a above him. Um, he was, a, you know, one of the highest – he wasn't one of the highest rated recruits uh, coming out of high school, but which really talks to what he has done and accomplished – at Washington, his development, his hard work, you know, the hours and dedication that he had to have put in to go from a not highly recruited player to a guy that we're talking about as I have as the third best wide receiver in his class. And I've seen people put him at two above Malik neighbors, above other guys on this list. And it just really speaks to the work ethic and ded dedication of Adunze and NFL teams are going to love that. They're going to see that and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, let, let, let me go and get that. You know how those guys are. I think he's the best zone beater. Um, it, it, here comes another guy that understands how to exploit coverage, uh, how to find the holes in the coverage. But I think he's probably the best zone beater in this class. And if you value that more than some of the things Neighbors does, you can put him up there. But I think Neighbors creates a little bit more separation. So I think that's the difference for me. Uh, he's got really long arms. And his catch radius is ridiculous. He's a really good route runner with long arms that are to create such a large target for his quarterback, high, low, side to side, wherever it might be. He His chemistry with Michael Penix is just off the charts. Um, I think the extra yardage that he can create after the catch and the separation he can create as a good route runner. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy that puts in that extra work to create that chemistry with his quarterback and put him in the position to succeed. Um, and so for that reason, Roman Dunze for me is wide receiver three in this class. Two more as we march on. I like, I've been very much enjoying these, uh, these podcasts. This only being the second episode of the pod, but kind of shorter talk about five prospects from a few minutes and kind of get it out there. We're going to get some guests and do some mocks and all kinds of stuff. I'm really excited uh, about the future of this podcast. Uh, number four for me is Keon Coleman from Florida state. Um, here comes another guy that Keon Coleman is just create. I, I wrote he's a hot, the highlight reel is eye opening contested catches over and over and over again. That's, that's one of the notes I wrote down while, while, um, scouting him if you just go into youtube and you're like okay what can keon coleman bring when he's at his very best and you type it in you're going to see contested catches and him mossing guys he's going to go up and climb over top of people be incredibly physical about it um he's elite at tracking the ball when it's in the air and he really positions himself in the best possible way to make the catch so he, he his tracking skills are kind of off the charts for me um, he understands positioning, his play strength. He really fights through the contested situation uh, catches. And, and I think he is a first round talent. I think he could be top 15, top 20. Um, some people have him above Roman Dunze, Adunze, and I can respect that, totally understand that. I see where you're coming from with that. I think you're starting to split hairs after Malik Neighbors. For me, it's, you know, Roman Dunze, Keon Coleman. And then I'm going to get to my fifth guy, and then I'm going to talk about uh, a sixth guy who just barely missed out on this. And even then, I've got a seven and an eight that I think could also potentially be first-round picks. We're not going to talk about those guys in this episode, but just something to talk about. Um, 
it, this is such a, a funny class when we talk about it being so loaded that in any other year, Keon Coleman, just like Roma Dunze, just like Malik Neighbors, would probably be top of the class. Two, three years ago, he's probably the best player in the class, maybe, potentially. But you got Marvin Harrison, you've got Neighbors, you got Ndunze, you got Keon Coleman. If you get one of these top four guys, in my mind, you have a wide receiver one definitively. I do not believe that any of these four are not going to be able to be wide receiver ones. Now, could they never get all the way up there to be a wide receiver one? Yeah, I, I guess. Because, I, you know, it's a little bit of a crapshoot at times when you go looking at the uh, draft and, and you say, well, he's a surefire and, and, you know, things aren't completely surefire um, or no one would ever get fired and everybody would be undefeated, right? <laughs> but um, I really think that these four guys especially will have long careers. They may not end up being first, you know, true blue number one wide receivers for the entirety of their career. But I think they I think they go up there. I think Coleman, uh, that things that teams are going to really, really like about Keon Coleman is that he's a great run blocker. Um, it, it's the same. You see that show up when he bullies uh, smaller defensive backs or if he, some for some reason he's on a safety a corner or a corner and if somehow he gets he lines up all over the field Keon Coleman can go attack you from all over the field and it's it's really fun to watch what what he can do but if you want to find he can he can struggle a little bit to separate because he doesn't have he needs to refi- refine his route running but I don't see any reason why he can't he's got all the physical attributes and tools um he just he's got good agility he accelerates pretty well he gets to his max speed um i just think keon coleman if you were looking for one of the biggest probably the biggest most physical wide receiver in the class a combination of those things then keon coleman's the guy that you want to go so if that's the type of wide receiver you like go for it but i think four teams are going to be incredibly happy with the pick like if if for some reason you know picks one through four we're going to be wide receivers in this draft. It, what I like to think about when I talk about this aspect is if you remember when um, the Rams had the number one pick and it ended up being Jared Goff and um, the um, Eagles, the Eagles traded up to get what eventually was Carson Wentz. When they traded up, they traded up with, you know, I'm a Browns fan. I write cover for the cover of the Browns for Browns wire. They traded up with the Browns. And they traded up to two. And this came like a couple of weeks before the draft. That was the even craziest part. It wasn't like draft night or anything like that. It comes a couple of weeks before the draft or a week before the draft or something of that nature. And um, it was because they were like, we like both guys. We like Jared Goff. We like Carson Wentz. So whoever the Rams don't take number one, we're okay. I, I think a team, if for some reason it was going to be one, two, three, four wide receiver, I think a team would be willing to go up to four in the draft knowing they would get, you know, neighbors, Adunze or Coleman. I, I do think that that's how good these top four wide receivers in that class are. I think they're really effective, really good players are going to improve teams immediately day one. Now we'll go to number five, the last wide receiver prospect that we're going to talk about for this episode. And this was really hard. I had it down to Mecca Obuka and Xavier uh, Leggett. I like Xavier Leggett a lot. 
But I eventually went with Ohio State's Emeka Abuka, and that's because I believe he is the best route runner in this draft. Um, he's a technician. He reminds you of, I think I see a lot of comparisons to Amari Cooper in terms of he does all of the little things right. And as a Browns fan, that's what we love about Amari Cooper. Um, and I think he's at his best in the slot, Emeka Abuka is. And that that's what might hurt him the most on draft boards, especially people other draft podcasts like mine going out there. They're probably going to have an issue that he's more of a slot receiver. So if you take him in the, in the first round, you have to already feel pretty good about your outside guy, you know, things like that nature. But I think he can be a very effective guy from the slot. It was, a, it was a down year for him. So if you go and you look at the stats in the production this year with Kyle McCord and the struggles of the Ohio State offense, and he had – Abuka was uh, banged up a little bit. So those numbers aren't great. But I just think that he can be pretty explosive in the open field. He gets in and out of his breaks really well, creates a good amount of separation. Um, you just see a guy that creates – he just moves the change, creates separation, creates easy targets – and if you need eight yards, Emeka Abuka can get you eight yards. He can also get in the open field and create really massive plays in those situations. But I think he's the best route runner in, the, in this class. So I'll put Abuka at number five to round it out. And Xavier Leggett, who I think is DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf light, will miss it out. He's number six. And I got Troy Franklin number seven for those of you that are wondering where those rankings go. And maybe we'll get some more wide receiver rankings as we get a little bit further in. Uh, try to get a mock draft, a first round mock draft for you guys coming out soon, potentially in podcast format. So that's it for today. Those are my top five uh, wide receivers in this class. Marvin Harrison Jr., number one. Malik Neighbors, number two. Roman Dunze, number three. Number four, Keon Coleman from Florida State. And number five, the second wide receiver from Ohio State in this class. Mecca Abuka. Tell me what I got right. Tell me what I got wrong. Tell me what you enjoyed. Um, I'll drop probably next week. I think we're going to go to edge rushers. I think I'm going to pivot and go to edge rushers for next week's class. So I'll have my top five edge rushers next week sometime. Appreciate all of you. If you could give me a, a review, tell me if you want to support the show, tell your friends about it. Uh, views, likes on uh, um, Apple Podcasts, all those things. If you could hit me up, that'd be amazing. I appreciate you guys so much. I will see you guys next week for another episode of the Draft Film Room, talking about some NFL Draft pop prospects. We'll be doing edge rushers next week. Till next time.